0: Blue fans, welcome to Boom and Gloom, a podcast for us long-suffering Blue Jackets fans. I'm Anthony, also known as Whaler Jacket on most social media platforms, and I am Ohio's longest-suffering Blue Jackets fan. I'm not going to explain that here, but feel free to go back and check out episode one if you're curious why I consider myself to be Ohio's longest-suffering Blue Jackets fan. Uh, one quick note. Uh, when I decided to start this podcast, I had to find some royalty-free music for the for the opening. And uh, the one that you hear, the one that I decided on, is uh, it's called No Chance. I just find that quite fitting for a podcast about the Blue Jackets. A uh, quick off-topic story to begin. Hopefully it will give you guys a smile. Uh, I am a fourth-grade teacher, and, and I have two students with autism in my classroom. Yesterday, our intervention specialist uh, told me that one of them had a really funny joke to tell me. Now, it was, it was very out of the ordinary for, for this student to have a joke. I mean, his sense of humor is, is not the best. He doesn't really uh, understand sarcasm, and you know, usually he, he doesn't even understand the, the humor that I frequently use in my daily instruction. So I was really intrigued to hear this joke. I figured it was going to be this horribly corny dad joke that I hear every day amongst not the 9 and 10 year olds in my class. Well, the uh, intervention specialist asked uh, asked him to tell me this joke. Okay, and so the student gets up from his desk, walks over to me, and just says, point blank, your mom. And then just walks away. I I about lost it. It had been a long time since I had laughed that hard in my classroom, but th- this just got me. I, I was in tears. Uh, thankfully, the other students were working and didn't really notice me busting up laughing, but, but man, it was just a delivery. He just walked right up to me and said, your mom. Oh, so funny. All right. Anyway, let's, let's get into the boom and gloom, Mo- mostly gloom, of course, of our beloved Columbus Blue Jackets. All right. Well, when I last spoke to you guys, um, we just witnessed the end of a nine-game losing streak, and the Jackets uh, either they they won one game or they had won two in a row. I can't remember when I when I posted that last episode, uh, but they had they had the chance to make it three in a row, and blew that in spectacular fashion, giving up three goals in the final nine minutes of the third period against the Carolina Hurricanes. That was a kick to the groin. Now, they won the next game against Boston. Boston. The the Boston Bruins. The league leading. I hate them so much, Boston Bruins. Could not believe it. It was a solid all-around effort. And it should have been, or or could have been, a four-game winning streak. If it wasn't for that Carolina game. But I was feeling pretty good and, uh, you know, feeling pretty good about how things were going. And then they went out and had an absolute dud of a game against the Canadians that regrounded me back to reality. Now, we won against Ottawa. Um, That was that was last night. I'm, I'm recording this on a Saturday. So they won against Ottawa last night. And I thought we played a solid game came back from two goals down. so I, I thought the team for the most part played well. <sighs> when the, when the season started, I knew this would be a season of ups and downs. but I don't know. I, I just was not prepared for that nine game losing streak, F- falling apart and then and then and then falling apart again basically after beating the best team in the league. Now, quote unquote, best team in the league. I I hate the Bruins. By the way, that I did I say that already. I hate them. I learned that from the uh, the old Adams Division days. They were rivals of the Whalers. Anyway, I was I was certainly not not prepared. I don't think any of us was pre- was prepared for this horrendous season uh, that especially that that Patrick Laine is having right now. Now you can throw. An underperforming Johnny Goudreau in there too, but I want to focus on Line A right now. That is actually what I want my my first segment to be about here today. I want the I want the Blue Jackets to trade Patrick Line A. So this may ruffle some feathers, I know, but I also know there are plenty of jacket fans out there who actually agree with me on this. Line A needs to be traded. Now, when we first acquired Laine, I was excited. I mean, come on, it, it was it was Patrick Laine. The Jackets were getting Patrick Line. A. Well, that was the uneducated me talking. Line a was uh, was playing for Winnipeg, and I admittedly had never watched him play. And I saw, you know, a lot of his highlight reel goals. And I knew that he was a 40-something goal scorer. And then couple that with the fact that we were getting rid of a, a cancer known as Pierre-Luc Dubois. And I was pumped. I was really pumped. Then I started watching him play. I started, I started, you know, paying close attention. And, and I even went back and I watched some of his previous game footage from Winnipeg. And I learned... least, again, in my opinion, that Laine is a one-trick pony. He has this unbelievable shot, one of the best in the world. But little else. He's not a smooth skater. Doesn't seem particularly fast. And despite the fact that the, the dude is huge, he doesn't use his size to his advantage nearly enough, physically speaking. The more I watched him on the jackets, the more I found myself disliking him as a player, as a player. But, you know, he was jacket and I love the jackets. So, you know, at the time, you know, I was happy to to give him the, the benefit of the doubt. By the way, if anyone happens to not believe me and is saying, oh, you're just saying that because he isn't playing well. No. You, you can go back and look at all my old tweets and you will see. I have never been a huge Line A fan. I always thought he was overrated and overpaid for what he brings to the team. What are we paying him? Something like like $8.7 million or something like that? For that kind of money, you should be getting a perennial all-star. Okay, A, a dynamic player who brings it every night. And Laine is just not that player. He is an average to above-average hockey player with an all-star caliber shot. Now, I've seen some people on Twitter harping on, on the Line a haters, saying things like, oh, we just want to dump him because he's just having a bad stretch. Yeah, he is having a bad stretch. I'm not disagreeing with that one bit. But that's... That's not why I want to, to dump him. The the dude he, he's often injured. He doesn't use his size to his advantage. He doesn't make the best decisions and he turns the puck over every single game. When we need a need a big goal late in the game, I, I don't even want him on the ice. He makes he makes too many mistakes. I I just think his his bad outweighs the good. Just again, my humble opinion here. And here's the opinion that, that may get me into trouble with a lot of the other Jacket fans, but but keep in mind, just my opinion. We are a better team without Line A in the lineup. Yeah, I said it. Plus, I firmly believe that being on a line with Fantilli, that that's hindering his development. So that's my take on Line-A. He's he's just not worth what we're paying him. So I say trade him. Trade him to to someone who can better utilize what he brings to the table. Which, again, I believe is basically his super hard shot. I'm sure some other team out there will find him enticing. Some other team with, with better weapons than we have. Some other team that, that can consistently feed him in his wheelhouse, where he seems to need to be in order to score most of his goals. I mean, I can't remember the last time I saw Line A score a goal with with you know one of those wicked one timers that he has from the left circle. It's been a while. Maybe uh, maybe he should be on a team that can that can get him the pucks where he needs to be at that, that left circle. I don't know. So my final thought is this. We are a rebuilding team. Line a is not best suited for a rebuilding team. He is best suited for a team that has already been built. So again, just my opinion, Yarmo should try to trade him to to that type of team. And, and get what he can. That brings me to my next segment, trades. So, speaking of trades, there have been there's been uh, quite a bit of chatter lately regarding scouts from the Edmonton Oilers attending three consecutive Blue Jackets games. So, I think it was Mark on Twitter who said, "Once is an accident, twice is a coincidence." Three times is a pattern. So maybe there's something to this. Supposedly, Edmonton is interested in a a new goaltender and defenseman. Now, if that's the case, then they were able to see Merzlikens twice and Martin once for goaltenders. Now, I'm sure Spencer Martin's stock has gone up a lot this year. So maybe they have interest in him. Taking on um, Merzlikan's insane uh, insane contract uh, makes me doubt interest in him, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they see something in him and and think that he makes them more solid at that position. I don't know. I don't know, but but personally, I I think they're more interested in a defenseman. So let me go through the six defensemen who played for the Jackets during that three-game stretch. Number one, Worensky. I don't see him going anywhere. I think he's our leading scorer right now. Uh, got a really high contract. So I, I just, I don't see the Jackets parting with him. Number two, you're a check. No way. Nothing else to, <laughs> nothing else to really say about that one. That's not going to happen. Number three, Provorov. Now I didn't know much about, Provorov uh, prior to this season, but he's more offensive-minded than I thought. So while I think Edmonton would prefer a more defensive-minded defenseman, I can see them looking at more of a puck mover to transition out of the defensive zone and, and get the puck to the likes of McDavid and Drysidle. So it's possible. Not likely, but possible. Number four, good Branson. I'm not sure uh, with his contract, um, but he he does seem to possess what the Oilers may desire. But I don't see the Jackets looking to part with him unless the return is amazing. I mean, he brings a huge physical presence to the Blue Jackets lineup. He's an assistant captain. Um, I I just don't see that either. Number five, Jake Bean. Maybe... Number six, Adam Bokvist. Maybe. Both Bean and Boakvist. is it Bokvist or Bokvist? I, I can never say it right. Anyway, both Bean and Boakvist are, are young. Uh, still have their best years ahead of them, I think. And the Oilers may see some potential in that. But then I think to myself, the Oilers really aren't looking to rebuild. I would think they would want a solid defenseman that would immediately upgrade their defensive core. But, if I had to rank the top D that are most likely to be traded to the Edmonton Oilers, I'd have to say 1, Bean, 2, Boakwist, 3, Povero. Maybe throw in uh, Peek in there too, if it's part of a package, but he hasn't been playing, so I, I don't see how he could have been scouted. So I'm not sure about the likelihood about that one. And who who or what would the Jackets want in return as part of that trade? Do we take a goaltender to replace the one we lost? Or do we just bank on Tarasov overcoming his seemingly daily injuries? Not sure about that one. Would they just want draft picks? Last I saw, Edmonton was uh, up to the cap, so the Jackets would most likely need to take back some salary in return. So I'm not sure that that's a fit either. Forwards? Well, I think Connor and Leo are off the table, at least for what the Jackets may offer. But what about Ryan Nugent Hopkins? While he is a great player and would be an asset, my issue with him is that he's a center. Now, a lot of people out there tend to think we need another center. I am not in that boat. I am in the boat that says play KJ at center, play Brankov at center. You have Fantilli, you have Corrali, you have Jenner, you have Sillinger. So I'm not as keen on acquiring another center as some others out there are. I'd rather see this team play the centers they have and let them grow rather than going out and getting another one. Kent Johnson. Just kind of a little side note here, but Kent Johnson tears it up at center in the AHL. Drafted him to be a center. What do we do? What what does Vincent do? He puts him back at wing. My point is, at this juncture, let's not jump the gun and trade for a center unless the deal is too good to pass up. We're not winning a Stanley Cup this year. So might as well try to develop what we have. But maybe the Jackets are not thinking the same way, and maybe they'll make a play for RNH. and And here's one other scenario. Kind of going back to what I said earlier. What if the Oilers are after Laine? Are they intrigued at the possibility of him playing with world class caliber players like McDavid and Dreisidel, I think Line A could flourish with, with better players around him. The Oilers may also recognize that. But would the Oilers be able to trade for Line A with his limited no trade clause? Now who and you know, who knows what what Line A even would think about this situation. Now there's talk about uh, Vegas scouting three recent games as well. What could that be about? Who are, Who could they be after? All I know is that I just talked a whole bunch about this and haven't given any real answers or predictions to you. And that's the thing. It's all up in the air right now. It's too hard, at least for me, to predict where this is going. My only prediction is whatever happens... It is going to be much more underwhelming than we think that's my bold prediction for you all right moving on final segment here i am how can i say this i am tired of fans that seemingly know more than the blue jackets front office my brother and i have this joke uh, when something doesn't pan out in life, uh, for example, Disney's movies uh, are no longer making the money they used to. A lot of people say that, you know, they at least the movie side of, of Disney is falling apart. Well, my brother and I say, well, they didn't run it by us first. We We joke that if movie makers or in this case, a pro sports team would run decisions by us first they wouldn't experience the problems they fall into. We joke about it, but I see it in the Blue Jackets world all the time. And I'm not saying just me, but Blue Jackets fans in general. It just often feels like we know more than the Blue Jackets front office. It's very frustrating and confusing. Some examples, all right? Um... I said Brad Larsen was a bad idea from the start. The front office made him head coach, and he was out after two seasons. Everyone, everyone seemed to know he was not the man to lead the Blue Jackets to glory. Except the front office, I guess. I said Mike Babcock was a bad idea. Turns out he was a very bad idea. Going back to what I said earlier, I said Line A, when when Line A first signed, uh, first signed his contract, I said that Line A was not worth it, not worth the contract he signed to lately. It seems that I'm right about that too. Uh, funnier example, Boomer the mascot. Fans and not just jacket fans, but hockey fans around the world saw the phallic nature of that mascot right away. Why didn't the Blue Jackets management or or creative team notice that? Other examples, I I said from the start, Line A is not going to work at center. Well, guess what? He's not working at center. I said that uh, Bemstrom should not make the team, even after a strong showing at training camp. Well, he made the team and now he's back in the minors yet again after clearing waivers. So it's just things like that, 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 that just make me think that. And now I'm hoping with Kent Johnson back, he puts up great numbers, obviously because I, I want him to succeed and I want the jackets to succeed, but, but also because then I can say I was right about that too. But my point is this, all right, I'm, I'm just a fan and I keep saying I, but I think an abundance of Jackets fans feel the same way as I did. And, uh, or I should say felt the same way as I did regarding those examples that I shared with you. I'm just a fan. I have never played professional hockey or worked in a professional hockey league. So why does it consistently seem that I know what should be done for the betterment of the Blue Jackets? More so than the executives that are paid millions of dollars to construct a winning hockey team and have not. These guys have loads of experience at the professional level of hockey. And yet, it seems like more often than not, I can say, told you so. Now, This is not me trying to toot my own horn here. I'm simply saying that oftentimes there are seemingly obvious choices in front of this team and they go another direction. Very few people outside the Jackets front office thought hiring Babcock was a good idea, but they did it anyway and it bit them in the butt. This team has had minimal success in 23 years of existence. And it is so frustrating when our thoughts as fans consistently end up being the correct ones. When, you know, we disagree with something coaches or management does, and then we end up being, we end up being right. Last season, I remember, uh, Blankenberg was benched, and the Jackets were losing. A lot of fans, including myself, voice our concerns on Twitter. We were like, get Blankenberg in the lineup. You know, he, he plays, he injects energy into the lineup, and what happens? They win a game. He gets in the lineup, and they win the game. Blankenberg even got the keppy. So, the, you know, the, the team recognized it, too. So why does it seem like we, we, we see what needs to be done for the team to improve? But the millionaire executives and, and, and even the coaching staff, they seem blind to it sometimes. It's very frustrating. And again, I'm not trying to brag here. I'm, I'm simply saying that after 23 years, the Jackets should have experienced more, more success than they already have at this point. I'm just tired Of seeing what appears to be the wrong people leading the way. And I'm tired of thinking, man, I wish they would have listened to me. I'm just an elementary school teacher. I should not be thinking this. I don't have uh, the hockey pedigree that most of these people have. But yet for 23 years, the Jackets have made decisions that have led them virtually nowhere. So I'd like to re- reiterate what I what I said in the last episode of this podcast. Fire Yarmo, okay? His time is up. He failed. He did not deliver. It's time to give another person at GM, maybe even as president, the opportunity. So you know what's going to happen? Here's what's going to happen. Yarma will be fired. Maybe not this year, but in the next year or two. And you know what I'll say? told you so <sighs> So that's it guys uh, I'm gonna sign off uh, on that one now. Um, I hope you enjoyed my rants. Uh, I have I have a great episode planned for next week and I, I hope you'll come back and give it a listen. In the meantime hit me up with any questions you have or even suggestions still still learning this whole podcast thing. My Twitter handle is Whaler jacket and uh, it's the same on Instagram whaler at gmail.com is my email. If you guys want to hit me up, feel free. And I hope you'll uh, join me again soon. Bye for now.